Well, thank you to the Forest Lake Academy Orchestra. What a beautiful job they've done for us today at two services. There's not a lot of academies that have orchestras at all, much less one that uh, you'd be proud to have at your worship service like this. And what a beautiful job they've done. And thank you to Mr. Tavashi and uh, all the students and also all the parents who have worked so hard with their kids. Uh, That doesn't just happen accidentally. So uh, I'm thankful for uh, the good work that is represented here. Also glad to have George with us again today. I suppose you're back there somewhere, George. He's here uh, playing the organ for us this week. By the way, uh, David Denton, who is the principal at Forest Lake Academy, who did our announcements here. I don't know if you know this, but uh, he is a poet. Apparently, being in charge of a large number of young people makes you very reflective. And so he goes home and writes and, and, and gets all his frustrations out in, in poetry. Yeah. Uh, and he has recently published a little book of poems. And I guess the proceeds are, are, uh, some of the proceeds are going to the academy and so forth. So you might look for that or ask him about that. Uh, Kind of a neat thing that he's done there. This concert coming up on Thursday, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? That the Forest Lake Church Choir has been invited to participate in this citywide event. And uh, that's tremendous that we're able to send uh, our group to be involved in that. And if you If you're available on the 21st, this Thursday, at the First United Methodist Church, check that out, 7 o'clock. That will be really neat. Patty wanted me to mention something we talked about last fall, and that is we're looking to upgrade uh, our AV experience, and particularly the uh, video production that you would see uh, online or, or in DVD form or whatever it is, because we've been under the old standard definition model really since things got going and uh, here with, with videoing the services. And in those days, that was state-of-the-art, but uh, we're a bit behind state-of-the-art at this point, and so we want to step that up, uh, particularly now that uh, people have uh, availability to better streaming internet and things like that. It matters, and, and, and it's an expectation uh, that the quality of what we do here at church will be reflected in uh, what we stream as well. So we're looking to do that, and we, we kind of set that aside at the end of the year as we put our focus on the church budget, and, and the Lord blessed, and, and we gloriously reached our budget. But I want to remind you now again, at the beginning of the year, before we get into some other projects we're going to do, that one is still one we'd like to get done. Uh, we've already raised $69,000 for this project. It's probably about a $150,000, $160,000 project. Uh, so we've got a little ways to go, but I want to encourage you, if you'd like to contribute to that, to, to notice it. You can just write something on your bulletin and turn it in. Or if you're one of those giving online, and, and that is an increasing percentage of the monies being given to the church right now or being given electronically, uh, if you're one of those, you will see uh, a place where you can contribute to that fund uh, online. Next Sabbath is a a special Sabbath, and I'm looking forward to it, except for the fact that I'm not going to be here, and I'm disappointed about that. But we've asked uh, one of our newer members and and, uh, a 
father of a young family that's recently joined us here, Todd Shobatar, will be our speaker next week. Todd is uh, kind of the big editor of everything with Florida Hospital Publications, and he's done a lot of work uh, in the area of creation health and, and publications related to that, and he's going to be our speaker uh, next Sabbath, and this is awesome because he actually knows about this stuff, so this is going to be tremendous. He's not just trying to learn it like I am. He actually knows these things. So he'll be here uh, next Sabbath speaking to us, and you're going to want to hear that. I got a little rundown on what he's going to talk about as he was telling Pastor Evan. So it's going to be really good. You want to be here for that. Uh, one, one last item, and then this feeds us right into what we need to talk about today. And that is, as of yesterday morning, Alicia and I and the children, by extension, Uh, have become homeowners once again. So, there you go. So, yeah, yeah. Alicia did a lot of really good work on this to make this happen, but here's what I have to say to you. If you were hoping we were about to go, um, we just bought a house, so you're going to have to get over that. And we're going to probably be around a little bit more. So, uh, but we finally got that done. It was tied into a lot of things that had to do with when we had moved from Atlanta and, and all the different challenges. But we finally got everything cleared. And yesterday we got it done. And you know, if you've ever been through that process, it's pretty tiring. And it's pretty relentless. And it goes on and on. And then when you finally get it done, that's the starting line. Because now you have to move all the stuff. And you go and you say, why do I have all this stuff? Why do I even want all this stuff? But then when you try to throw it away, you're like, well, but I, I kind of like that. So I'm going to keep that. But so that's what we're doing. We've got a couple days to do that. Kind of thing makes you tired, doesn't it? Well, we're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll be with us now, that we will hear from your word, and that you'll speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Start with a text from 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. If you are anything like me, you just aren't yourself when you get really tired. When Alicia and I first got married... And, you know, you're, you're just settling into that experience of, of being together. She had always known me generally as, you know, as a reasonably upbeat person and reasonably happy most of the time and, and things like this. And so it surprised her a little bit after we got married when every now and then, for no apparent reason, I would get downright cranky and hard to get along with. But it wasn't too long before she figured out why. She figured out it was one of two things. See... 
We guys are really not all that complicated. One of two things, she figured it out. He's either hungry or he's tired. So I either need to feed him or put him to bed. I mean, it's, you know, it's not that hard. My sister used to say sometimes, I spent all day thinking I was depressed, but it turns out I was just tired. If your life is anything like mine, tired is normal. But is that how it's supposed to be? And what part does choice play in the experience? Elijah could tell you about tired. You see, God had come to him and said, I want you to go and challenge the king of the unfaithful people of Israel. And I want you to go in there and tell him it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And he's not going to like that. So you're going to have to run. You're not going to be able to stay at home. You're going to have to run. And I want you to go into the wilderness. And while you're in the wilderness, you're going to be camping out there. I'm going to feed you with ravens for a while, but even eventually that's going to come to an end. Then you're going to go to a town and you're going to stay with someone. and I will miraculously sustain you three and a half years of this. After this, then God says, now I want you to go back to the king and have a big confrontation with him and all the priests of Baal. I want you all to get up on the mountain there and, and I'm going to show that I'm the God of heaven and, and fire will come down from heaven. So Elijah does this and And then when it's over, Elijah goes and it's a time of fervent prayer because here as this great victory has come, but now if the rain doesn't actually come, you feel the stress there, right? So he prays fervently, the rain comes, and in in jubilation and in the excitement of the moment, he runs down the mountain through the rain in front of the king's chariot all the way to the city. There's different kinds of tired They're sleepy. Some people experience that one as soon as the sermon starts each week. It's automatic. There's the tired you get from physical exertion. I suppose Elijah had a little bit of that. There's the tired you get from mental effort. I suppose he had a little bit of that. There's the tired that comes from emotional stress or trauma. And then there's the tired that we could call just tired of it. You ever had that one? It has been my personal experience that I cannot be trusted to act in total agreement with my principles when I get tired, no matter what kind of tired I am. I remember, barely, one time when I was in college and I stayed up all night to study for a test I wasn't ready for. Never mind that the reason I wasn't ready for it was I hadn't studied the days before. But I was committed, so I stayed up all night to study for this test that I wasn't ready for and then I was so sleepy when I went to the test I literally fell asleep during the test. Not a good strategy. I remember once in elementary school, I got so tired of how annoying one of my classmates was being to me that I spent the entire next year being mean to him even though he stopped being annoying. Sometimes at the end of the week, you might have seen me do this, sometimes at the end of the week, Friday afternoon, I I go to the grocery store. Maybe you've seen me at the grocery store. 
and I'm so mentally tired sometimes at the end of the week that I'm just wandering up and down the aisles pushing my cart. I have a list somewhere. You know, there's an item or two that I can remember, but I'll walk back and forth three or four times across it because I just can't hold it together. Tired. Do you ever get tired? Jonah was tired. He's called by God to, to preach to Nineveh, but, but he didn't want to do that, so he ran the other way, and then there was the big storm at sea, and, and they threw him overboard, and he's swallowed by the fish, and, and around that time, he comes to his sense, and he promises, all right, if you deliver me from this, I will go. So the fish swims him to shore, and spits him up on the shore, and then he's off to Nineveh for a whirlwind preaching tour, and then off to the hillside in order to watch the city be destroyed. And yes, I think Jonah was, was physically tired, but I think ironically there was something else he was even more tired of. See if you can figure out what it is. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. When God saw what the Ninevites did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah probably was physically tired, but apparently not as much as he was mentally and emotionally tired of God always being so gracious to the repentant that don't deserve it. You ever get tired of that? We cannot, it too often seems, be trusted to act in total agreement with our values and our principles when we get tired. And sadly, when we begin to violate our values and principles, our lives become more of a burden than a joy. Thus you get Elijah and Jonah singing the same song, Lord, just let me die. Now, I suspect... I have sort of good news for you today. And here it is. Your life may not be as bad as you think. You may just be tired. But there's only one cure for tired. Rest. Will you choose it? This is the second week of our our focus at the beginning of the year on the concepts of creation health, which is an approach to healthful living and vibrant living, a better life. It's been developed by the folks at Florida Hospital. It's an acronym, creation. Last week, the C dealt with choice. Today, we're on the R, rest. So I want you to be honest because lying to yourself doesn't help. You've learned that, right? So here we go. Be honest. 
How much rest do you get? Don't say it out loud. And let's start with an easy one. How much sleep do you get? As an adult, studies have shown that you should consistently get between seven and eight hours of sleep per night, not less, and interestingly, not more. It's a zone there. Now, more is better for children, but for adults, you should be getting seven to eight hours per night. Now, here's what I find about myself. I find that I am very committed to getting more sleep every morning when it's time to get up. I'm very committed (laughs) to that concept. But I'm not quite so committed to the idea each night when I need to shut down and go to bed. Sometimes I think I can't go to bed because I still have work to do. But usually if I believe that to be the case, the problem is more one of my failure to make good use of my time during the day, which has left things over that I think I have to get done now, or the days before, and now I've crammed it all into this one day, and no, yeah, I don't have enough time to get it all done. And I think the only way I could do it is by staying up late. Now, there's another option that some others of you are perhaps prone to, And that is that I'm still up because I did make a good plan for the day and I did do everything according to my plan for the day, but I just made an irrational amount of things on my list to do for one day. Therefore, I'm still up because I'm trying to do a stupid amount of stuff in one day. If you've ever gotten into these cycles, you know that it leads to a rather frantic existence But it would be a stretch to call such an existence life and a far cry from calling it abundant life. This is just a guess, but I suspect it is an accurate one. Most of you who have jobs and families are not just a bit sleep deprived, but are in fact chronically sleep deprived. And you are so used to it that you think this feeling of low energy and malaise and soul weariness is actually called normal living. Well, it's not, or at least it's not supposed to be. In fact, many of you who hear me talking right now could see an overnight improvement, and that pun is intended there, could see an overnight improvement in your mental well-being and physical strength by simply choosing to go to bed at a set time and to get up seven to eight hours later. You'd see your whole life improve. Now I want you to notice one of the key words there. To go to bed at a set time. Everybody knows kids have a bedtime, right? That doesn't go away when you get older. You should still have a bedtime. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, that sounds good, but I can't do it. I have too much to do. But let me ask you this question. Is that true? I mean, really, of all the things that you do, how many of them are God decreed for your life and you have no options? 
Here's the point. God did not intend us to live lives of exhaustion and exasperation. Don't believe me? Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you fashioned a yoke and a burden for yourself so heavy you can't even carry it? That's not the one Jesus has for you. If you find yourself weary and burdened today, I want you to know that's not Jesus' plan for your life. And more than that, he is calling you to come and receive rest. So let me ask you, are you tired? As you sit here today, are you sleepy? Are you physically tired? Are you mentally tired? Are you emotionally tired? Well, the good news is Jesus came so that you could find rest. In fact, finding rest is one of the ways you know you're with Jesus, and being unable to find rest is one of the signs you aren't. Psalm 95, verse 10, for 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The sign that we have known the ways of God is that we are able to enter into his rest. The sign that we are being driven by something else is that we can't rest. Revelation 14, verse 11 There will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. Rest is a sign that we are with God in his plan. Unrest is a sign that we're working against it. Now, I don't have an easy answer for anyone today. Indeed, even as I was setting these thoughts down yesterday, I was... Tired in all capital letters. I was sleepy tired. I was not overwhelmingly physically tired because I haven't had that much activity lately, but I was mentally very tired and I was emotionally very tired. And I just have to tell you, as evidence of what I suggested before, of what happens to me when I'm tired, my attitude yesterday revealed that I was tired. You could just ask Pastor Patty, except she isn't here today, lucky for me. Or I suppose you could ask Alicia, but I sort of hope you don't. This concept is a hard one for me because right now in so many ways, there doesn't seem to be any good places in my life for rest. And sometimes I get home at the end of a very busy day and I think, but I just haven't had any fun yet. And so I stay up later than I should. I feel tired 
Yet these are the words I hear in my mind, Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And I also hear these words, Psalm 127, verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So here's where I'm at on this. I believe the Lord loves me. And I also believe that Jesus calls me to come to him and rest. And so there has to be an experience of rest that is available to people like us. And since it has been my experience that I cannot be trusted to act in total agreement with my principles when I get tired, no matter what kind of tired I am, and since I suspect the same is true for all of you, it behooves us, don't you think, to figure out how to stop living tired lives and start living in Jesus' rest. I know one piece of it, though in truth it is available in many ways more for you than it is for me. I know one piece of it, and that piece is called Sabbath, the day of rest. So is Sabbath for you a day of rest or a day of stress? Some might try to use what I'm saying as an excuse to stop coming to church because after all, it's such a stress to get here, right? Well, I want to back that up a minute. Do you remember a thing we used to talk about a long time ago when we were silly and not smart like we are now? We called it preparation day. Remember that idea? The day before Sabbath was called preparation. You know why it was called that? You can't enter rest if you don't prepare. But how often do we do that anymore? Spend the day getting ready to rest. I don't think it would be such a stress if we did that. And I think it would be a mistake to stop coming here because I think that this church experience is one you need in order to truly find rest, lest you spend the time you would have spent here on some great pursuit like, oh, I don't know, surfing the internet or updating the world on your life through your favorite app or even other tasks less suited for a day of rest than what you would experience here. Can we be trusted? You see, part of rest is choosing it and then going out of our way to have it. Or maybe better said, part of rest is choosing it and then getting out of our own way in order to have it. We're not going to find peace and rest through accomplishments or completion, or wealth, or standing, or fame. But only in Jesus will our hearts rest. As St. Augustine so well said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So will you choose rest? If you will choose rest... It will make your life better. 
But to not choose rest will make your life like this. Hebrews 3, verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now the passage goes on in Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. This passage tells us that we enter God's rest by faith and belief in the one he has sent, Jesus Christ our Lord, the one who says, come to me and I will give you rest. We don't enter rest by wildly getting everything in order and frantically working all of our lives and trying to do everything. We find rest by resting in Jesus. And yes, this passage is primarily about salvation, but it's also a revelation to us, as in revealing not just how to be saved, but how we must live. Hebrews 4, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. It's clear enough that life without rest will kill you. So will you choose to live? That's really the question in this whole series. That's why it starts with choice. It's about the choices you make. And will you choose to rest so that you can live? Will you choose seven to eight hours of regular sleep? Now, very important to that phrase is this idea, regular sleep. Not, well, let's see, tonight I'm going to do, let's see, nine to five. Okay, so that's good. And then tomorrow night I'm going to do midnight to seven. And then the next, no. Structure yourself. Go to bed and get up. It's the only way you will do this consistently. Will you choose to take breaks during your day? Oh, I can't stop. Once I'm going, I got to keep going. Okay, just keep going right to your early grave. That'll be great. Stand up. Take a walk. Be nice to someone. Take some deep breaths. And here's one. Choose a time for your day to be over. Not the time when you go to bed. Choose a time where you say, you know what, that's enough. These next couple hours, I'm just going to read a book or talk to the family. Or Choose a time to be done. And rest. Take a weekly Sabbath. 
God has given us the seventh day as a Sabbath. Take it. Rest in it. And for some of you, would a vacation kill you if you just took one sometimes? Just let it go for a while. You don't want to end up like Elijah and Jonah. These guys were prophets in touch with God, yet still hating life. Hebrews 3, verse 14. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So that's my appeal to you. Rest is something that will make your life better. Will you choose to rest? Let's pray. Father in heaven, it seems so obvious that we almost have to laugh at ourselves to think that one of the great struggles in our life is to choose to rest. But yet so many struggle to do it. So Lord, help us to choose to rest and help us to prepare to rest and not just waste all of our life and energy on things that don't matter. Show us how we can live these lives you've given us and still find rest. It probably means we will have to close some things out and make some deliberate decisions. But it's all about choice. Father, we pray your spirit will guide us to the right choices and that one of those will be rest. In Jesus' name.